You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans who are listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. To get this show every day, follow us wherever you get your podcasts. You can also tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Mets. And on today's show, I had Brian Wright on for another Throwback Thursday. Brian, of course, an author of Mets Intense and Mets All-Time All-Stars. And today, we talked about the 30 for 30 on the Mets and the 1986 team, Once Upon a Time in Queens. Highly recommend watching that documentary. And like I said, that is what we focused on today throughout the entire podcast. Before we get to any of that, though, I'm your host, Ryan Finkelstein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on Twitter, at Ryan. You can also find some of my writing about the Mets at JustBaseball.com. It is always a great time for a throwback Thursday when the Mets are nearing the end of their season uh, a little bit too soon when it comes to staying in contention. I'm happy today to be joined by Brian Wright. Uh, You can find him on Twitter at BrianWright86. And that is what we're going to start off talking about. 86, uh, the the 30 for 30 much awaited came out and I was actually in New York uh, watching the Mets. So I didn't get a chance to watch it until I knew I was going to talk to you. I'm like, I got to watch this because I think that there's going to be a lot to talk about. What was your first impressions? I'm sure you watched it when it came out last week. Getting to see that that most important piece of Mets history told, but really told in a complete, complete angle of looking back to to the start of the franchise and the culmination of the 86 Mets. Yeah, uh, you know, I loved it. Um, I looked was looking forward to it for over a year when it was announced it was going to happen. I think it was like July of 2020 they announced it. Um, and I mean, I and I talked to to Nick Davis before and and after it came out, um, uh, I talked to him for a Q and A Q&A on Metsmerized, and um, I had told him I was like, well, you know, you could put for me, you know, I I was born in '87. I just, born like nine months after 1986 the season happened so uh i but I, yet i that is the team that made me a mets fan um i had the highlight video watched i've watched it maybe a thousand times that might be being Are you talking be about being the, the old school vhs yes i, I grew up on, i grew up on that too i i that has two copies uh <laughs> i knew more about the 86 mets than the teams that that i watched growing up because i would always watch and this for me, yeah. this is like, all right, that was like the, the G-rated version that you got. And this yeah. was like, all right, let, let's let's tell the dirty stories. Let's get to, to PG-13 rated R. Here's what was really going on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I would know. I lived through that VHS and obviously the, the team-produced one, which, uh, you know, the uh, homogenized uh, everything is sunny and uh, – Starry and everything, you know, <laughs> everything is puffy clouds, which was um, good for us as kids. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, because and I'll talk about this, you know, how I learned more about it later. Um, and I told I was talking to Nick, and I said you could have put that documentary up on ESPN. Just said it's a new documentary, and put a year to remember instead, and I would have been happy. I would yeah. have just said, oh great. So I am not the fan that that 
you know, obviously he wants to appeal to Mets fans, but I'm one of those fans that 1986 Mets are literally what the team that made me a Mets fan. And as I said, I knew more about the 86 Mets than I did about the current Mets uh, when I was, when I was five, six years old. So, um, so nothing that was, that came out, nothing significant, uh, none of the significant storylines in the documentary I was surprised by or, or were like news to me because I, you know, as someone like you just, you know, just know about this team inside and out. Um, so that was not what I was not like going into the documentary going, oh, I'm going to find something revelatory. I mean, there were some small things, you know, Dwight Gooden's background. Uh, I didn't really know everything about it so that was uh, very informative and, and, and sad at the same time um i you know i the other other small 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 things um so i yeah i i am not the person that like was good looking for some some totally rebel you know new breaking news what i loved about it was that it how it tied or how it paralleled new york city because that is a story that that that's a great way to tell the story is how to me that there's no, there, there's really not been any team uh, that is more closely associated with the place and the time than the Mets were in 1986. And that this documentary talks about this many times over and it should. Um, so that's why I loved about it. I love the music, how the music kind of brought you into the era um, you know, like the Beastie Boys. Not that I know much about the Beastie Boys. I know about I know that one song. That's the song that they use. That's the one song. Um, you know, they had other songs that would tie to the era, um, and the editing was great. Um, just so the so it was so it was visually appealing, and I love that part. Just the visuals, that the sound. I guess the senses I'm trying to get at. So I and I and I understand there are people um, that may say, gosh, 1986 Mets again? Like, they're one of the most documented teams in history, um, as they should be. Um, but so to me, you know, some people might say four hours is a lot. To me, four hours wasn't enough. <laughs> I wanted yeah. more. Um, and, and also there are people that say, well, you're glorifying, you know, people are glorifying this team. And this documentary to me does not glorify it at all. Yeah. It, it tells a story and allows you to make a judgment. And for me... Over the years, as we talked about the VHS, it's, you know, the G-rated version. Uh, and, and since then, since I, you know, became, became a fan, I've read Jeff Perlman's great book, The Bad Guys Won. Um, and, you know, that was an eye-opener. I learned a lot about what they did off, off the field. And I've since been able to compartmentalize and kind of separate the fact that they did reprehensible things off the field and condemn them for, for those uh, acknowledge, you know, that some players had uh, addictions and and weren't helped out in the way that maybe we'd look at it today. And I'm specifically talking about Daryl Strawberry and Dwight Gooden, um, and and that's that's really unfortunate because it, it's if they had that, if we looked at them then the way we look at people who have addiction now, I, I would like to think their careers have been a lot different. Um, so I've been able to kind of understand you know condemn what they the bad things also understand you know that those who have addictions needed help and, and didn't get it i mean i already knew that but it it, it reinforced it uh and also celebrate the, the fact that they were a freaking great team so 
I and I still I still love the team for the way they performed on the field. And let's face it, they haven't won since. So, yeah. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching your sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friends logging for the other good stuff you're missing? Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called DirecTV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before. So you can watch your favorite sports movies and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes, no need to buy another device ever again, and the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion. Get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. I don't know if you guys know this, but I actually share a bed with a pro football quarterback, an Olympic swimmer, and a national women's soccer star. Should probably explain, but when I heard how many athletes slept on a molecule mattress and caught their best sleep ever, I said, you know what, I gotta order one myself. And they were spot on. Molecule Sleep Scientists literally created the world's most perfect mattress. It's unlike any other mattress in a box. It's cool to the touch, not like other foam mattresses. It has six times the airflow of my old mattress, so it keeps me cool all night. And it has zone reflex layers that adjust with me in all my weird sleep positions, so I never wake up with a stiff neck or a sore back. Molecule Mattress is how elite athletes get the best sleep ever. Sleep on your Molecule Mattress risk-free for 100 nights. So if you don't have your deepest, most restorative sleep ever, you can return it. Visit OnMolecule.com and save 20% with the promo code Locked On. Again, you can save 20% with the promo code Locked On at OnMolecule.com. I think that the whole tone is almost set with the intro music. It's very true crime type, you know, um, and, and the, the images that are shown and how you see kind of the, this this raucous excitement exuberance, but there's also debaucherous side to it. And that is that's what the 86 Mets were. And I think yeah. it's what was really fascinating to me watching it is how many parallels I could draw from from 86 to just stuff we're living through now. You know, you, you talk about. George Foster and, and and the race relations stuff. You talk about even something as not small, significant on the field, but something like Mike Scott scuffing baseballs, sticky substances. <laughs> there, there's so many different parallels. And, and to me, it's just the game of baseball kind of repeats itself uh, no matter what generation. And also I think we see history repeat itself as well. So, so mm-hmm. it was really an interesting encapsulation and, I do think that if you you look at at the city comparison and talking about the the, the kind of how how the Mets rose up with the city and maybe fell with the city as well at times, it, it was just a, a fascinating look into not only the '86 Mets but the '86 New York. And I I think that the one thing that that really struck me is how much fun will it be if the Mets become the villains again? <laughs> you know, yeah. I I think that's what instead of being this this lovable loser or the laughing stock to, to get to that point again that that's what the Mets have to be looking for right now yeah no absolutely I loved I love the fact that they uh for for Mike Scott they had like the Freddy Krueger music associated yeah. with them because he was that he was hovering over the Mets ready to you know you know with an a, a pickaxe ready to to end their hopes uh so I love that part um, but yeah, the Astros have been cheating longer than we think. Yeah. But yeah, no, I, uh, as far as the Mets, you know, in 1986 were, I, as you can see from the documentary, hugely popular. Um, they, the city fell in love with them 
because they represented the city. And, you know, the fact that the Mets are the quote unquote little brothers of the Yankees is kind of a self self-fulfilling prophecy. Is that that that's the right term? They yeah. kind of the Mets have kind of well, the old regime kind of created this. They could, didn't need to be the bull, didn't need to be the little brothers. They could have stood toe to toe. You know, let's forget about the championships. Let's they could have they could stand side by side with the Yankees, uh, and they can now with with new ownership. So, and as we see in the documentary, I mean, they can they can rule the city for sure, and they did then with they ruled. I mean, basically the baseball world. So um, that gives me. Watching that gave me a lot of emotions. Um, jealousy was one of them because I just wish I could have lived through that. I've only lived through it through historical, you know, doc, you know, historical content, uh, content like this documentary and hearsay. Um, and also hope that if, if they win again, I will I'll rather say when they win again. Uh, it's gonna be it's it's gonna be especially sweet, and I can't I can't wait for that. I think that one of the things that that struck me as well, when when you watch that documentary and you see how important Keith Hernandez was to everything, I mean, the way that he was regarded as a leader, not only just for his great defense and and his bat, but the way that he would go to the mound and say, no, just just throw the fastball. Don't even listen to him. Throw the fastball and and all the different things. To me, when you watch that, it, it, it just once again becomes, I know we've talked about it before, but but more of a crime that that number 17 hasn't been retired. Uh, I think that this is, a, is another shining example of, of why that should happen and, and happen in the near future. Yeah. And I'm very glad um, that Keith Hernandez was made as the central figure of the team um, because he should, and he is because um, that trade in 1983 was the best trade the Mets ever made. Uh, and, and you saw it in the documentary as far as like how, how much of a leader he was um, not only, you know, going to the mountain game six of the 86 NLCS going, you know, Jesse Rasko. I'll, I'll hit you if you throw another fastball because you don't have it right now. Um, you know, as much as Gary Carter was also um, there as a veteran presence, I mean, Keith was definitely the leader. I mean, he was there for him. Um, he really had the pitcher's ear. Uh, as you said, like he would go to the mound and just say, oh, just throw the fastball. Don't, don't, you know, don't listen to Gary. As much as, as great as Gary was and important as he was to that team, obviously the last piece uh, coming over in 85 and the example he set. I mean, Keith was really, really the central figure of the, of the team. And I'm glad the documentary showed that. It's unfortunate we can't have Gary interviewed and we, it certainly was great to have sandy uh his widow but it was it's too bad we don't have gary to, to kind of give his his side of things and and be more of an interview subject but it was fantastic to have keith uh and haji as well but to have keith kind of talking more about you know his role on the team uh and how important he was one of the other things that 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 caught me and i was just again i watched this pretty much i watched the first three parts last night uh i think i started it at I want to say 12. So I, I look up and it's, it's three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I'm like, you know, I could watch this last part, but I, I got all day tomorrow. So let me, let me wait till tomorrow. Uh, so I watched the fourth part today and Frank Cashin builds this great team. And then he tears it down as well. And, and I think it really did boil down to at one point that they said there was four stars on the team. You had Gary and Keith who were, were getting run down as far as their age. And then you had Doc and Daryl. We know what happened there. And clearly the Mets had 
no way to to handle those guys. And I think in a certain respect, there's a lot of people to blame. I mean, Davey Johnson was very much just gets the ballpark. I don't care as long as you're there. Um, maybe they needed a manager that was paying a little more attention to what they were doing off the field. Frank Cashin clearly had no idea uh, you know th- what was going on behind the scenes and had to deal with the problem because he trades Kevin Mitchell, a future MVP, uh, a guy that, I mean, can you imagine it, it's almost, I'm trying to think of a parallel in the current Mets, but it, it would almost be like, uh, like trading Michael Conforto out of after 2015. It, it just, it makes no sense considering what the guy produced on the field and you get rid of him simply because he's the third black player and you can't get rid of the other two. Mm-hmm. I mean, I really think it's interesting that that someone can be so important to a franchise and also be the thing that maybe ruined a dynasty. Yeah, um, if I had to, you know, I don't want to speak speak wrongly of, of people who have passed and, and Frank Cash and we lost a few years ago. Um, but I think he's mainly responsible for the reason that that the he's the reason why the '86 Mets became champions he's also the reason why the team didn't win another i think he's most responsible there's a lot of reasons but i would say he's the most responsible the fact that he uh got rid of ray knight and kevin mitchell and i think uh as far as the situation with doc and daryl uh and and kevin mitchell i think that was a product of of the times uh, not getting doc and daryl help the help they needed understanding their their what they had you know the demons that they were fighting um, and then as far as trading away Kevin Mitchell, because he might be a bad influence on Dwight Gooden, Daryl Strawberry, uh, it's just, you know, it's, it's just, I don't mean, I mean, ignorant might be the wrong word. It might be racist, but, um, it's just, it's not understanding, uh, the black athlete, uh, as, as, during that time. I mean, you know, at all. So yeah. the fact that you just traded him because you thought he was, you know, affecting them, which, it, which wasn't true, um, was a, a terrible mistake. I mean, as you said, went to the uh, went to the uh, Padres and then went to the Giants very shortly after that and won an MVP with the Giants in '89. Um, but but losing Mitchell and Knight, you were losing really the personality of the team. Um, that you know, two people you really didn't want to get in a fight with. And the Mets obviously had four fights; they were pretty good at it. So. Yeah. You 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 chip away at the at the, the character and the personality of the team. Uh, it really showed itself in this in the ensuing years. Yeah, and I think that that chemistry was built up years prior, eighty four through eighty six. A lot of those guys played together in the minor leagues, graduate together up to the big league level, and, and forming that identity as a team is something that you know, I don't think you'll ever recreate the eighty six Mets. But if you look at every world champion, there there is a certain identity that's formed. And I think if you're looking at this current Mets team, as much as they had talked about team chemistry and all these things, clearly something has not clicked because there isn't that that same, I don't know what it is, that that special magic that that, that helps you win these games and show that you're you're a really great team. And honestly, I, I can't think of the last time outside of 2015, really, in, I mean, in our lifetimes, where you got 2006, 2015, those early teams in the 2000s, it's so rare. How, how do you form that that over time? I mean, that's that's something that has eluded the Mets th- throughout the entire franchise's history. Well, the good thing about what Frank Cashin encountered or, 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 or met, was met with when he came on board in 1980 was that <laughs> the cupboard was pretty bare and he was basically left with rubble. And had to, you know, build from 
from nothing. And therefore he was given with new ownership at the same time was given the time to do it. Um, I don't know, you know, it's funny now, you know, Steve Cohen becomes the owner and he's basically given no time to do anything. I think he's going to, you know, change every, you know, he's going to win a world series. I mean, he said, I know he said three to five years, um, but really he came in at the end of November or, or, or I guess early November. It's when it was made official and they were kind of behind the eight ball to use a, for lack of a better term, they, they, it took them, then they had to get, you know, they tried to get a president of baseball operations GM and they were just kind of always playing from behind. And then also that was the same case when it came to free agents. Um, so really I think this off season is the first, uh, first to me, the first test of, of Steve Cohen's um, t- uh, regime. But besides that, uh, so I think Frank Cashin was given that opportunity to build and he certainly did that um, save what I said about, you know, afterwards, but he, he, you know, drafting Daryl drafting doc, you know, the acquisition of George Foster was did not pan out, but it was at least an attempt to try to you know, get a big name player. But of course, getting uh, Hernandez and Ron Darling and Gary Carter and, and, and also those draft picks of like Lenny Dykstra and, and low level draft picks worked out beautifully. And it melded to that to the championship year in 86. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back for another football season. And as always, Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, there's now even more odds, props, and contests available at betonline.ag, which continues to be the number one source for everything football. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up as long as you use that promo code NFL100. Football, basketball, boxing, baseball, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season, Bet Online is your fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. One reason to repair and maintain your cars is to save money. So why would you choose to spend 30%, 50%, maybe even 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or new car dealership when you can just go to rockauto.com, a family business that has been serving auto parts to customers online for 20 years. They have everything you could want from engine control modules to brake parts, tan lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks and have it delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle, then choose the brand specifications and prices you prefer. Go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck, right locked on in there, how'd you hear about us box, so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection. Reliable low prices. All the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. I also liked how, uh, just a note on the documentary, how, how Lenny Dykstra was used. Like, all right, if we need to get to the dirty stuff, we'll just put it all on Lenny, and he's going to give you the the unfiltered take. And he was great. I mean, I'm sure that that he got probably hours of Dykstra that he was able to boil down to those little bits that he would plop them in. But but it was fantastic filmmaking, I'll say that. Yeah, no, I mean, Lenny Dykstra was, say what you will about Lenny Dykstra off the field, and there's a lot to say. Uh, he was fantastic. As, and he is a fantastic clutch player. Uh, and as you saw in, you know, game three of the NLCS with the game-winning homer, game six leading off the ninth inning, uh, game three, 
with the home run in the World Series leading off that game. Um, terrific, terrific postseason performer who was not phased by the moment. Um, but yeah, I, when I spoke with Nick, he said that Lenny was so willing to talk and like never really was like, oh, I'm running out of time. I have to go. I mean, he was there and, and, and I, I don't know how many hours they spoke, but it seemed like willing was, uh, Lenny was very willing and accommodating and, and it showed. Yeah, it was, it was great. I, I mean, I, I could talk about it all day. Um, <laughs> you, you know, one of the things that is, is kind of interesting too, is, is the, even like the booing was something that, that would come up, uh, you know, certain guy, it's just, it's just funny how we know the current team has dealt with this. I feel like if you go through every single Mets team, uh, uh, the reception in New York is something that's always talked about, but when you win, I guess it it's all worth it, right? Yeah, I mean, look at this team with the whole uh, Baez and Lindor situation, which to me, in every respect, was very stupid. Um, <laughs> I know we haven't talked about it. We have I haven't been on since it happened, but I think it was just overall just dumb all around. I, I more so from the fans uh, and the media than than the players. I I think Javi Baez. You know, should not have. I think he misspoke. Um, probably didn't intend for it to come out like that. He had a point because he's only been here. He would had only been there like an hour and a half. So you know, if he was being booed, why are you booing him so soon? Um, and the same for Francisco Lindor, who was being booed a weekend. So I there there was a point to it, and especially when you know, I, I think we talk about a lot about player psychology and what's in their heads. And so there, there maybe should be more understanding of that. That being said, it should not have been spoken. <laughs> so um, I'm glad that it's all, it's kind of in, in the past because once you win and in Javi Baez's case, once you perform well, you know, people, people love you. So uh, I feel, I felt even in the moment that Javi Baez would be just fine, that it would eventually go away because I knew he was going to do fine. Um, I, you know, I, I, I still feel the same way as far as reciting him. Like, I think if he's too much money and and someone offers an enormous contract that it, it probably isn't worth it, but I feel like he is, he wants to come back and I think they should try to get him back. So you're right. I mean, and it also goes to like, you know, the debauchery you have off the field. I, it's like they had the Mets had an 86 and I think it was mentioned, um, that, you know, no one really stopped it. Pretty much because I don't want to say because they were winning, but winning helped the fact that no one stopped, you know, or pointed out what they were doing off the field. So winning does cure a lot of uh, of 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 issues, and uh, we saw that in '86, and we, we're seeing that now too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, winning cures all is a very true statement, and uh, you know, when 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 Davy Johnson says, you know, here here's the bill for 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 wrecking the plane. <laughs> Um, you know, screw this. We're winning an effing world series or we're making them boatloads of money. They can deal with it. They can pay it. I, I mean, that just shows the identity of the team. Uh, one last thing I want to talk about the doc. And I think we're just going to avoid talking about this current Smets team too much. I, 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 last time we, we spoke, if you guys want to go back, we talked about the most disappointing seasons in Mets history from Brian's book, Mets and tens. So you can go back, listen to that and, and see how this whole thing played out. Billy Bean in the first, I think he was mostly in the first two parts uh, of the doc. It to me leads even more credence to this idea that he would want to take over the Mets because 
you saw for one i liked when he said uh when he saw frank cashin and was like uh, like that's the guy i want to be you know he, he didn't want to he didn't want to be the next the star player he saw the the, the star gm and he's like oh that, that seems like a cushy spot and he ended up having uh, one of the best careers ever for an executive uh now seeing that that you know seeing that it could come full circle we know he was he was a first round pick by the mets um, but to see it come full circle, it does make a lot of sense that Billy Bean could be the guy that come in, comes in here. And I'm just curious what your take would be if that was the ultimate result of this offseason. Yeah, I saw when I saw the doc and I saw him come up, I, I knew he had was drafted by the Mets uh, in 1980. I think he was the first this, the pick after Daryl Strawberry. Um, and I saw him. And I'm like, well, that's a little interesting as to far as far as why is he in here? Because yeah, I know he played, but didn't have that much of an impact on the Mets. Um, and, but I thought he was great. And it was very funny when he was talking about 86 and said, I don't know why you're interviewing me. Cause I wasn't even on the team and he was traded for, to the twins for Tim Tuffle. Um, but I, if you ever, if you watch and I uh, recently watched uh, Moneyball again, mm-hmm. and I found it very interesting that the at least as far as the character is concerned, that he often flashes back to his time with the Mets and I'm, I, I, and this is just a hunch. I wonder if he wants, not only does he want to kind of, because he is the, you know, originator of Moneyball, uh, and we've seen all these other teams benefit from some form of it and win World Series, and he hasn't, that he kind of wants to have that ability to use it, use Moneyball, and I say that in quotes, with a team with more capital. Um, and also, I wonder if he kind of wants to come full circle. Like, I always seem like maybe it based on based on a movie. I know I'm maybe stretching here. That that failure, if you will, as a player, sticks with him. And if with the Mets specifically, I know he went to other teams, but the Mets were the original team. And he would want to come back and say, you know, I'm going to return to the Mets and kind and bring them a World Series. Uh, that I don't know if he, I wonder if that's there's some motivation. I'm sure he's motivated, but I wonder if there's some motivation there. Um, and maybe he has that the motivation that maybe Theo Epstein does not because Theo Epstein, when you when you exercise two curses, <laughs> I don't, I wonder like, how what else do you need to do? And you have a cushy job with Major League Baseball, like really you want to come to the Mets okay um so I don't know I that's my feeling about Billy Bean and I saw that story from Ken Rosenthal and it just reinforced my thought about that um so I that's how I see it and I don't know if it was a total coincidence that he was in the documentary for more than I thought he more than I expected him to be but um look I I'd love it um especially in you know they could bring Bob Melvin trusted manager I mean, David Stern's another great guy who grew up in New York as a Mets fan and as a young, young executive um, who could be, you know, the next Billy Bean, if you will, a long time GM we could have for a while or president of baseball operations. So I, you know, they're aiming high and they should. And I think Billy Bean or David Stern's are two fantastic choices. Yeah, I think you mentioned Theo and to me, Theo comes maybe for a big paycheck and because he wants to get back in the game and, and he wants to win and, and that could all, all be fine and well, but I think Billy Bean does have that emotional connection to the franchise. And when you add in the Sandy Alderson connection, 
it, yeah. it's starting to make a lot of sense. I, I think Billy Bean always wanted to, to win one for Oakland, but if he's reading the tea leaves that they might be leaving Oakland, if they want to promote David Forrest, all of these things can line up where you could say, you know what, I'm going to take one last crack at it where I'll have a $300 million payroll in New York City with you know the, the franchise I started with. It just makes makes a ton of sense. So I'm hoping uh, now that that's kind of the direction they go. Because and, and the other aspect of it too is that Theo Epstein had the Porter and the Scott connection. And yep. I think it'd be better to separate yourself from that tree if possible. Whereas I haven't seen much when it comes to Billy Bean on, on, the, on a bad PR state. It seems like he's always very good at hiring good people and running a good organization. Yeah, I, I totally agree. That's uh, also how I feel about Theo Epstein and that those connections. And I think you just want to separate yourself from that um, because of all the stuff that happened with with Jared Porter under Theo Epstein and, and Zach Scott being a, a disciple of Epstein as well. Um, you know, I, I don't trust I it, along those same lines. I don't trust Sandy Alderson to make hiring decisions um, yeah. because I don't think he's learned. Uh, that being said, if he goes ahead along with Billy Bean, I think that's or David Stearns, those are the two best decisions. One of those two would be the two, the, the best decisions he could possibly make. I think they're, I think they're no brainers. Uh, uh, I think they're no brainers. I think so too. Well, as we come to uh, close to an end of our season here, I just want to thank you for, for all the time you spent on this show this year. I'm looking forward to talking to you throughout the off season. You can find him on Twitter at Brian, Wright 86, find his writing at Metsmerize. And I want to do a special little giveaway. Do you offer, Signed copies of both books, the Mets and Tens and Mets All Time All Stars. I don't, but I could <laughs> if someone's interested. Yes, but, but you, have, you have, for Mets All Time All Stars, you saw the signed copies, right? I do, I do have them. Okay, so what we're gonna do here is a special giveaway for the listeners. You're gonna have to follow some directions here for the first five people. This is not a giveaway on Twitter where 200 people will enter and you got a a one in 200 chance or whatever it is. First five people that send me a DM with a five-star rating uh, for the podcast, we'll get a signed copy. I'm going to buy five copies of the book and send it out. So if you can either send me a DM or email me at LockedOnMets at gmail.com with that screenshot of the five-star rating, you will get a copy of the book. First five who uh, send me those will get a copy. So that's just a a little token of my appreciation, Brian, for all the time you spent with us uh, this year. I really appreciate it, Ryan. It's great to be on to talk about Mets history and to you know tangentially also talk about the current Mets when I feel like going on some kind of a small rant. So I appreciate you allowing me the time to do it. Absolutely. That's going to be all for today's edition of Locked on Mets. As always, thank you for listening. Make sure you follow, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Finkelstein Ryan. Follow the show at Locked on Mets. And if you don't want betting to be a guessing game anymore, check out the Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day by following the Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get podcasts.